What's up, my pigs? My little oinkies? I almost forgot there was a podcast due today. No problem. I'll jump on the mic and rip for a minute. We'll see how that goes. If it goes well, please rate this wherever you're listening, be it Apple, Spotify, MySpace, Grinder. Give it five stars if you like it, one star if you hate it. Anyways, now that that pointless garbage is out of the way, welcome to episode number who gives a shit of the Valley Boys. I am your host, Dave Weasel. Let's get this over with. So, you know, I've got to tell you, sometimes life unfolds like a poorly written screenplay. I'm not sure if you can hear that in the background. It's chainsaws. Let's be clear, I'm not starring in a low-budget horror movie, although I'd like to think I'd make a charming yet easily fooled side character, but nope. Nope, these are the people that are supposed to be tending to the trees in the neighborhood. They have decided that now is the perfect time to go full lumberjack. We're talking full hog here, you know? They're using the kind of machinery that sounds like it could cut through the Earth's core, you know? I swear it's louder than an NFL game out there. Speaking of which, the NFL, you see this in, uh, on Sunday coming up here in L.A. It's, uh, it's the Rams versus the Niners, which means it's Levi's South, okay? It's going to be a red out, uh, you know? Football. It's a great American pastime, really. I mean, baseball, but it's let's get real. It's the NFL. So I went to the first game of the season, okay? It was the LA Chargers, the other team, the redheaded stepchild, if you will, versus the Miami Dolphins at SoFi Stadium. So I'm there in my George Kittle 49ers jersey, essentially a, a human neon sign flashing that says, I don't belong here. And of course, the Dolphins won because, of course, they did. They're playing the Chargers. Um, I, went, I went with a friend of mine who's a diehard Chargers fan. And let me tell you, being a diehard fan of anything is like wearing blinders made out of pure, unadulterated hope. You know, this guy, he looks at the Chargers the way that a parent looks at their kid in a school play, completely overlooking the fact that they're just standing there picking their nose. So he's convinced that the Chargers are Super Bowl contenders when that's kind of like saying I would be a contender in a heavyweight boxing match because I once had a day pass at the YMCA. So anyways, my friends, he, he my friend, he's getting into it, right? And he's, he's down in beers as if prohibition starts tomorrow, you know? He starts a chant, squish the fish. Of course, the fish squished him. You know, it's like he it's like he invoked an ancient sea curse of shit dolphins. And at one point in his excitement, or maybe maybe it was the nine beers, he spills his drink all over me. It was like baptized in Bud Light, you know? I didn't even get the nachos for communion because they're not keto. Back on that bullshit, well, sort of. I'll talk about that next time when I go back on it. But anyways, uh, Aaron Rodgers, okay, first drive with the new team, the Jets, and he gets hurt. You know, and some Twitter prophet saw it coming. He said, the oldest player in a rain-drenched Astro turf going against the best defense in the league. You know, you do the math yourself. It's like watching someone juggle chainsaws out there uh, while, while standing on a tightrope over a pit full of alligators and then act as a price when it doesn't end well. Anyways, I'm not going to talk about football the whole time. Um, this isn't a sports podcast. Uh, <laughs> like I said, I was ill-prepared for this, but we're doing it anyway. The 49ers won, and that's all I care about. I did hear a guy bragging about his IQ at the game, though. You know, that's a hallmark of many intellectual pissing contests. Uh, you may have heard some people. They're usually at parties or they're trying to impress someone or maybe intimidate. They'll just casually drop their IQ scores into conversation, you know? It's like mentioning the weather, except for instead of clouds and sunshine, they're forecasting a 100% chance of arrogance. And that's the first thing I think of when, when someone tells me their IQ. I think, you're lying. You're absolutely lying. Because, let's get real, anyone who confidently knows their IQ probably took some online quiz between the hours of 2 and 4 in the morning. You know? The witching hour for bad decisions. Apparently self-administered intelligence tests. Like, did you grow up in the 50s? Do you remember where you sat on the bus? But you know um, you know how you can tell they're lying or at least exaggerating? The ones who are really smart, the true geniuses, they don't actually talk about their, their IQ. It's like anybody that's good at anything. You know, they're too busy solving complex equations or inventing new technologies or 
maybe figuring out how to make a self-cleaning t-shirt because that would be something we can all use. Or they're probably in a pit of self-despair, not even realizing their own potential because they, uh, I don't know, they do podcasts instead. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, if you ever took a, a legitimate IQ te- test, you know, the ones that are the with a certified psychologist, you know, not a, not a BuzzFeed you know, are you smarter than Einstein? Take this quiz to find out type of test. You know that it's an uncomfortable, drawn-out ordeal, okay? It's not a it's not a fun game of trivia at a bar where you're answering questions about the 90s cartoons and, and a periodic table while downing nachos and Bud Light. No, man, you're in a stark room sitting across someone with a clipboard. You know, and he, he's giving you logic puzzles that feel like they were designed by a sadistic game show host. The only thing missing is the ominous soundtrack, but that's okay because it's going to be playing in your head anyway. And IQ tests are such a narrow measurement of intelligence, you know? It's like trying to determine the the quality of a movie based solely on its special effects, you know? What about emotional intelligence? What about creativity or problem solving? Or the ability to make people laugh on a podcast here or there. Sometimes I do that. You know, where's the IQ that measures how good you are at uh, diffusing awkward situations at family gatherings? That takes a very specific form of intelligence, you know? I think I would ace that one. Because when you come from a family of weasels you learn how to rewrote conversations like an air traffic controller at a busy airport so whatever man if someone's gonna flaunt their iq just nod and smile i know that they're full of shit because they, they they probably took an online iq test that they cheated on you know too much shit on the internet i did see that there was um um aliens you see that there was there there were bodies of aliens shown at a at a hearing uh to congress in mexico I want to believe this. I really do. I want it so bad. I, I I do believe aliens are real, but this seems a little bit off. All right. So there's this uh this journalist and researcher. Okay. He he literally shows up to Mexico's Congress with two boxes claiming to contain the remains of extraterrestrial beings beings from Peru. Like he actually brought them in to a formal government building with lawmakers who are probably just finishing dis- discussing I don't know tax legislation or something, and then he plops them down. Like it's a show and tell in, in a fifth fifth grade classroom. Like kid you not, man. These proportioned non-human specimens, these ancient travelers of the cosmos, they look exactly like E.T. Like Spielberg's movie, E.T. Not some obscure Renaissance painting where, where baby Jesus is flanked by two hovering saucers. We're talking finger light, phone home, Reese's Pieces loving E.T., you know? It's like going to an art auction where, where someone brings the Mona Lisa, but it's actually a print from a college dorm room. It's like the aliens were looking through our pop culture Rolodex and thought, hey, they seem to like this one. Let's give them what they want here. But I mean, this guy, he must got a, he's, he must have a great poker face standing there explaining to the entire legislative body that these 700 to 18,000 year old remains are proof of extraterrestrial life. You know, he's asking these lawmakers to, 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 to make serious considerations based on remains that could have been props from uh, Universal Studios, you know? Like, I'd love to be on a fly, uh, a fly in the room there. Fly on the wall in the room there. Got these Mexican politicians who, prob- who probably didn't sign up for the X-Files uh, sitting there trying to keep a straight face. You know, is this guy for real? You know, I went to law school for this. Meanwhile, this dude is, he's urging them that, that it's not a political topic, but a but a topic for humanity. Uh, okay. It's like, you almost expect Mulder and Scully to kick down the doors and be like, hey, we've been saving this, saying this for years, you know? And they got DNA evidence. They say that DNA could prove these specimens aren't of this planet, but minor detail. No one's actually sure if these tests have been carried out, okay? So what's the point? It's like saying, hey, I've got this evidence that could change the way we understand the universe, but, like, let's not get down on specifics whether or not it exists. You know, and that's the cherry on top. 
it's not even the first time this guy has done it. He tried a similar stunt in 2015, but the specimens were uh, different. So you know what that means? It means he's building an alien cinematic universe. Maybe, maybe not. Like, here I am doing a conspiracy theory about a conspiracy theory. This isn't a conspiracy theory podcast, but whatever, man. We live in a world where boundaries of reality are tested, not in some hush-hush area like that, but in legislative halls uh, south of the border. You know? The lawmakers concluded with concerns and plans to continue talking about this, but, you know, they're not concerned. This had a guy in front of you in a seat in your government tell you that E.T. is real. He's 1,800 years old, and he's been vacationing in Peru. I mean, I don't know. If this doesn't uh, if this doesn't prompt the start of a political comedy starring Will Ferrell, uh, then what's the point of this, you know? What else here? What else did I see? In person, I saw a guide to the Constitution, like a little pamphlet that someone left behind in an area of Orange County not exactly known for their support of immigrants, okay? So, look, this whole idea that, that some people want to rework the Constitution, you know? Like in this area, if they did their own guide to the Constitution, if it their anti-immigration stance is kind of fucked up. The Constitution, by the way, it's not an Ikea manual you can just tinker with whenever you get bored with a, you know, whenever you get a new Allen wrench set. It's meticulously crafted, uh, designed to create a framework for an entire country. And here come these people, you know, sauntering in like they're editing a group Google Doc wanting to slap in their mark, you know? They want to change the Constitution. First of all, it was created by immigrants, you know? People came over on boats and decided, hey, let's do our own thing and maybe not be so awful. So there's monumental art irony when somebody, when someone with the last name O'Reilly or Johnston wants to rewrite the Constitution, you know? They want to keep up the Garcias as if uh, their ancestors floated over on a cloud made of freedom and bald eagles. Also, let's not forget that uh, it's always the people who have never read the Constitution beyond the Second Amendment who suddenly become experts on it, you know? They treat it like it's a sacred text, but only highlight the parts that look good on a bumper sticker next to a picture of an AR-15. They're like high school students that only read the spark notes, but uh, they want to debate the teacher on the, I don't know, thematic depth of uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. The Constitution has this concept called the Bill of Rights. You know, liberties and freedoms are that are meant to be universally American, but these anti-immigration people read it and they think, ah, oh, yes, universally American, except for you and you, and especially not you, one. You know, it's not a nightclub. You can't just pick and choose who gets in based on your personal playlist of prejudices. The real kicker here is that... Uh, these are often the same people that loudly declare that they want a small government, you know? They're always like, get the government out of my Medicare, <laughs> you know? It's like saying, get that lifeguard away from the swimming pool. But then they'll turn around and say, but wait, but wait, 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 let's use the same government machinery to literally build walls and keep out people seeking a better life. So which is it, you know? Do you want a small government? Or do you want a government so invasive that it's measuring uh, the, the, the levels at the border? You know, it's hypocrisy dressed up as patriotism, and it makes no sense to me. You know, if we start wrapping the Constitution to fit narrow-minded worldviews, then it's uh, it's not a living, breathing document. It's a Mad Lib where the blanks are filled in by bigotry, and that's, you know, that's just not what it was designed for. But whatever, man. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store account on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. So... Let's dive into the quagmire that is weeknight dinner, shall we? Look, cooking dinner every night could be like listening to a hit song from the 90s. It's fun at first, but after the 700th time, you're begging for a new track. 
So you're there scrolling through the same six recipes you have bookmarked on your phone and you just want to scream, if I have to make spaghetti and meatballs one more time, I'm going to assume a new identity and leave town. But in Swaves, HelloFresh comes along. You know, it's like the fairy godmother of food. Now, get this. They offer 40 recipes a week, 40 of them. That's like saying, hey, you know how your life has become an endless loop of tacos and takeout? Well, what if it were more like a culinary film festival? You never get bored, not with 40 recipes. And forget the dreaded extra grocery store run, okay? The extra one, the sequel nobody asked for, you know? When you look in the fridge and you realize you forgot something essential. It's always something small yet critical. Uh, and you got to go back to the grocery store, navigate the labyrinth of aisles, avoid eye contact with your high school gym teacher, and finally pay for the one item as if you just came in for that one specific mission. But that's where HelloFresh is stepping up its game. It's like they peered into our souls and said, we don't want you to go through that again. So here's the thing. HelloFresh, it isn't just dinner business anymore. They've got a culinary department store, practically. When you're ordering your week when you're ordering your weekly meals, you can also hop over to the HelloFresh market and let me tell you it's like a digital cornucopia. They've got a curated selection of over 100 items. Curated. That's museum level stuff, my friends. So, HelloFresh, you know, before they came into my life, uh, you know, like dinner was a roll of the dice, but the dice were loaded and it always came up frozen pizza. But now it's like I got a cheat sheet for mealtime. No more aimless wandering through the grocery store aisles or staring into the void of the fridge. They send me everything I need, pre-portioned with idiot-proof instructions. You know, and I've dabbled in apricot Dijon chicken and pork canidas tacos. You know, it's like I'm feeling like an iron chef in my own kitchen. It's like getting a meal kit is not just saving me time. It's adding a little flair to my life. And that, my friends, is not something you can put a price on. Well, you can, but it's a very reasonable one. So go to HelloFresh.com slash ValleyBoys50 and use code ValleyBoys50 for 50% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash ValleyBoys50 with code ValleyBoys50 for 50% off. So seven months without an NFL game is like being on a TV diet and you suddenly realize, hey, why am I only watching British baking shows and documentaries about obscure sea creatures? But hallelujah, the drought has ended. The NFL is back and we're in week two. And DraftKings Sportsbook, they're not just spectators. They're like the ultimate party host who says, welcome, would you like a drink? And how about $200? That's right, because if you're a new customer, you can bet just five bucks on an NFL game and boom, you get up to $200 in bonus bets. You know, it's like when a magician pulls a rabbit out of a hat, but instead of a rabbit, it's $200. But you know what? There's more. It's like it's like they say in the infomercials you watch at 2 a.m. DraftKings isn't just rolling out the red carpet for newcomers. No, no, no. They, they're like that overzealous neighbor who decorates for every single holiday, even Arbor Day. You know, they're offering two new deals every game day in September for all customers. It's like DraftKings looked at the calendar and said, why should Christmas only be one time this year? So... Check the app, folks. It's like an advent calendar, but instead of mediocre chocolate, you're getting game day specials. Download now the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code VALLEYBOYS to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting 5 bucks. That's code VALLEYBOYS, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www. Dot 1-800-GAMBLER.NET. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas City. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario see dkng.ca 
co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions apply i feel like if they were to make their own guide to the constitution you know uh what would that be like you know probably start with a. they want to change we the people to we the people who look like me and probably live within 10 miles of a walmart you know and the They'd have a forward written by someone who's famous for being a TV pundit with no actual law experience. You know, here's the real American document, let's say, wearing a tie that looks too loud for any formal occasion. First Amendment would be renamed to something like the freedom to say what we want, when we want, but not you. <laughs> you know, this guy would have the Second Amendment, you know, it, it would have its own pop-up diagram, you know, like a children's book. But when you pull the tab, instead of like little farm animals, it's just various kinds of firearms in 3D. And they'd leave out the whole well-regulated militia part, as always. It'd be like that scene in a movie where someone is fast-forwarding a recording and then conveniently stopped before the damning evidence, you know? The Fourth Amendment? Oh, that would have a footnote. Unreasonable searches and seizures not applicable at border crossings or airports for people with names I can't pronounce. You know, in the Tenth Amendment? Probably be highlighted, bolded, and underlined, you know? States' rights, they'd shout without understanding that the term has historical implications that aren't exactly America's highlight reel, you know? They probably added in some new amendments, too. 28th Amendment, the right to speak English good and proper, like me and my buddies. Be a glossary at the back, you know? Be a little less schoolhouse rock and more of just a series of memes they found funny and vaguely bullet... Oh, whatever, man, I'm going off on this. Um, let's see, what else here? Mommy blogger. The mommy blogger that got arrested. Did you hear about this one? So, the uh, the headline here is, Utah mommy blogger accused of child abuse appears in court, will remain jailed without bond. Wow, okay. That's a weird one. There's actually two of them. Two mommy bloggers were jailed for child abuse, and I know. They're mommy bloggers. They're the ladies who document diaper changes like their moon landings and compare organic baby food like it's wine tasting in Napa. These people were jailed for child abuse, and I have to tell you, the whole thing is a little shocking and in a strange way, not surprising at all, okay? First of all, it's awful. Child abuse is horrific, and the punishment should be severe, no question about it. The thing that gets me is uh, they're not just individual mommy bloggers. They were, according to the reports, business partners. Now, I don't know about you. When I think business partners, I think of, you know, two old guys in a suit arguing about quarterly reports, you know, not, not, uh, not two women discuss which baby carrier lines with their child's you know capri pants while simultaneously aiding their own motor skill development so i have a theory and i want to make it very clear this is pure speculation these mommy bloggers are not business partners they're sister wives i mean think about it it's in utah you know they're tall blonde and so white charlie sheen could snort them i'm of course not saying everyone in utah is a religious polygamist but most religious polygamists live in utah so it's kind of like how all thumbs are fingers but not all fingers are thumbs Sister wives, they share responsibilities, right? They're basically a domestic partnership, but without the usual legal paperwork and the standard-issued husband who, who wears a denim tuxedo and insists on being called the patriarch. You know, these these sister wives, they, they, they in my theory, they got into blogging to escape the world, but ended up creating a twisted version of it, you know? Found this, found this bizarre way to commercialize motherhood. But have you ever read a mommy blog? I mean, really checked it out? It's like scrolling through a pottery barn catalog for human beings, you know? It's like, here's my baby, Maddox. It's always Maddox and a hand-woven, woven, woven cruelty-free 
bassinet that costs more than a semester of college. But behind that picture perfect facade they're putting on is, uh, in this particular case, was something awful happening. Jail for child abuse, you know? The reports didn't specify whether they got arrested in a PTA meeting or while filming a vlog about gluten-free cupcakes, but one thing is clear. The world is coming down, man. Let's not gloss over that jail part, you know? The idea that someone would pivot from uh, from posting inspirational quotes and superimposed on sunsets to a, uh, uh, to a mugshot is the epitome of life coming at you fast. I can almost hear them trying to mommy blog their way out of prison, you know? Ten ways to use your communal showers, uh, the the communal showers time more efficiently, or how to barter better with ramen noodles. The sad reality is they've they've harmed their children, and that's unforgivable. But let's not forget the delusional ecosystem that allows people to think that creating this picture picture perfect online persona is worth uh, you know compromising real human relationships, and in this case, basic human decency. So whether or not they're business partners or sister wives in a modern horror tale, it's a it's a wake up call that not all not all that glitters is gold, you know? Sometimes it's just bright painted garbage hiding a heap of ugly truths. Uh, a follow-up headline actually came out about that. It was a Utah mommy blogger accused of child abuse hospitalized after life-threatening issue in jail. Now, I gotta say, it reads like a cliffhanger at the end of a telenova episode, doesn't it, you know? You almost expect dramatic music and a, and a, and a close-up of someone's face looking all shocked. But that's that's how life is, isn't it? It's almost like uh, she's lying. She's hospitalized after a life-threatening issue. Like, what are we even talking about here? Did she suffer from acute withdrawal from not being able to post brunch pics on Instagram? You know, did her latte levels drop too low? They made a career out of dramatizing the mundane. You know, life-threatening issue probably means she got paper cut and it, and it might get infected because, you know, found out on WebMD that that's what it says. The jail probably doesn't stock organic gluten-free lavender scent and antibacterial ointment for it. This were uh, truly life-threatening. Wouldn't they use more specific terminology? Wouldn't they say cardiac arrest or, or shanked in the butt or whatever happens in prison? You know, they'd go medical on us, but no, this is a, quote, life-threatening issue, which sounds like something conjured up in a, in a, in a creative meeting for a reality TV show. All right, guys, she can't just be sick. She needs like a life-threatening issue. It's more mysterious. It's more edgy. This is why I have uh, reservations about the validity of this so-called life-threatening issue. It falls into the territory of, uh, you know, it's serious but vague enough to keep you guessing, which is essentially the tagline for every mommy blog ever. Here's my life. It looks perfect, but I'll drop hits that it's not. Keep scrolling for more ambiguity. You know, I'm not necessarily saying she's faking it, but if she were to fake it, which... You know, she actually probably is. This is precisely how a mommy blogger would go about doing it. It's life-threatening. But it's also curiously lacking in details, you know? Leaving us all to fill in the blanks, just like how you never know. You never show the mess just outside the frame of those picture-perfect Instagram pictures. So whether it's a genuine issue or not, uh, I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> I don't really care what happens to her. I got to say that, you know? And... To say to assume that they're sister wives and polygamists, you know, I'm just maybe I am a conspiracy theorist. But the thing is, like, polygamy, or as some people call it, crowdsourcing a family. Look, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm I'm more of a traditional one woman kind of guy. But that's mostly because I could barely remember my own birthday, let alone several anniversary dates. And you know, but if some dude wants to live in a house filled to the brim with uh, all of his adult girlfriends, when as an adult alternative lifestyle like who am I to judge it's like 
It's like someone looked at the concept of marriage and said, you know what it needs? More people to disappoint. But then, you know, the religious aspect comes into it, and, it, and then it turns into a, the episode of Sister Wives into a dark medieval drama with an uncomfortable amount of underage kids, you know? So if you, sometimes you'll have these religious communities, like the, the, the compounds, they treat polygamy like it's, uh, like, it's, like it's just this divine thing, like the Ten Commandments that had a hidden track at the end, you know, like, a, like an album from the 90s. Oh, and also marry as many women as possible. But, you know, the issue isn't just the sheer amount of spouses. It's the fact that most of these spouses aren't volunteering for it. They're getting drafted like it's an unholy celestial army. You know, it's always young girls, always. It's never Harold, the 45-year-old church organist. You know, nobody's ever like, praise the Lord. I've been commanded to take Harold as my eighth husband. You know, I'm not saying that every religious person who's into polygamy is doing it for sinister reasons. But if you do have these communities where they're essentially setting up a an auction block for young girls, they do that. You know, do I hear five cows for Sarah? Going once, twice, sold to Elder Thompson. You know, the man who still uses a flip phone because smartphones are the work of the devil. But nobody asks Sarah what she wants. She's probably 15 years old. It's like uh, when you're a kid at a family gathering and you're forced to hug some relative you barely know, except for it's not a hug, it's a lifetime commitment and sexual assault. So... You know, when people want to bring legality into this, when they say, why not let polygamy be a legally recognized form of marriage, I have to pause and you know, consider what that would even mean. The legal aspect isn't just about taxes and joint checking accounts. It's about giving, giving a framework for what is and isn't acceptable. And if that includes room for uh, forced marriages under the guise of religious freedom, then we're not just talking about alternative lifestyles anymore. We're talking about codifying something that could be, and often is, you know, deeply exploitive. It's like if someone proposed a bill saying it's okay to rob a bank as long as you uh, say a quick prayer beforehand. And it seems like there are already too many laws that allow you to get away with it if it fits under religious freedom. You know, the broad, ever-expansive umbrella of religious freedom. The constitutional get-out-of-jail-free card. It's kind of amazing. You know, it's like someone looked at the U.S. legal system and said, uh, you know, this needs a cheat code. You know, like that other episode, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, religious freedom. Suddenly you're in a whole new dimension where normal laws are just sort of, they just sort of fade into the background, you know, like an actor who realizes halfway through the scene that he's just an extra. Now, let's, let's be clear. I'm not against religious freedom. You know, it's uh, it's one of the pillars that this country is built on, right? But the problem starts when it becomes this all-access pass to basically do whatever you want. It's not just about praying and and how you want to how you want to pray or believing what you want to believe no this goes into the realm of using religious freedom as a ticket to bypass laws that everybody else has to follow it's like if you were at an amusement park and everyone is getting is waiting in line to get to go on the roller coaster and then someone just saunters up to the front of the line and he's got a religious freedom fast pass and everybody just has to let them cut they, they not only get to cut, but they, they also demand that the roller coaster only go at a speed that their holy book deems appropriate, which is like seven miles an hour. And suddenly, it's not having a roller coaster. It's just a, it's just a judgmental monorail. So you've got these people, you know, refusing to provide medical services, you know, declining to offer certain types of education, rejecting people based on who they love or want to get married to, all because they wrap themselves in this cloak of religious freedom. You know, it's like, it's like showing up to a costume party dressed as your favorite loophole. You know, it's like, oh, where are you supposed to be? It's like, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy who doesn't have to pay taxes on my massive compound because it's technically a church. It's like, all right, that's a terrifyingly accurate portrayal you're doing here. <laughs> what I find fascinating is the selectivity of these religious freedoms. You know, it's not across the board. It's like 
It's like picking and choosing menus, uh, menu items, a la carte at restaurants of civil liberties. It's like, yes, I'll have the tax exemption, but hold the social responsibilities. You know, and can I get a side of uh, denying other people their rights? You know, it's not about spirituality anymore. It's about leveraging your beliefs to gain something or even worse, to take something away from somebody else. And when we allow that to happen, you know, when we when we give religious freedom uh, such a such an elastic definition, you know, it starts to it starts to encroach on, on on other people's freedom. The irony, you know, it's not really religious freedom anymore, is it? It's religious privilege and entitlement, and that that's when you realize, you know, you're not on a roller coaster or even a monorail. You're just on a runaway train, and no one knows how to apply the brakes. You know, that's the thing with the laws and freedom. It's a the sidestep for a moment into the often taboo subject of legalized prostitution. Yes, I want to talk about this here. I've been in my, it's been on the same page for like three episodes, but um, I know it's not your usual Sunday brunch conversation unless you have a really exciting social circle. But here's the thing. When it comes to um, consenting adults and what they choose to do, why is selling something that's perfectly legal to give away for free suddenly a criminal act? It's like saying, hey, you could freely hand out slices of pizza on the street, but the minute you charge for it, we're going to have to arrest you and slap a scarlet P on your chest. Now, the arguments against it are usually, they usually boil down to morality, public decency, or some vague notion of, uh, you know, societal collapse. But then you remember that we live in a world where you can legally buy a flamethrower online or pay to jump out of a perfectly good airplane for fun, and you start to question how fragile our societal fabric really is. The irony is that uh, many of these issues associated with prostitution, like human trafficking, underage involvement, and so on, could actually be mitigated by regulation that comes with legalization. You know, you make it legal, you make it safe, and suddenly it's not a back alley transaction anymore. It becomes a legitimate business with, with health checks and protection for the workers, and yes, tax revenue. Let's be real, the IRS wants a cut of everything. They tax the air if they can figure out a way to enforce it. Before you start citing, you know, religious freedom as a way to keep prostitution illegal, let's remember that not everybody, not everybody subscribes to the same moral code. You know, what you find sinful, somebody else might see as a practical transaction between two willing adults. You know, and if we if we can allow the broad use of religious freedom to excuse behaviors that actively harm others or deny them their rights, you know, maybe we can have a conversation about legalizing an industry that, when properly regulated, doesn't have to harm anyone. It could actually provide us safety and, and protections. You know? So the next time someone uses uh, religious freedom as a reason to get around a law they don't like, maybe we should just remind them that freedoms can and should swing both ways. You know, just like that hypothetical pendulum that religious freedom seems to have turned into. A pendulum that swings wildly knocking over everything in its path. But never quite seeming to settle in the middle where it belongs. Anyways, okay, I'm done ranting with this. Uh, I don't know if you can hear that massacre going on outside. I hope that can be... Uh, I'm not really going to edit it out. I'm just going to upload the episode. Uh, from Newport Beach, California, this is the Valley Boys. Make sure you follow us online at Dave Weasel. Across everything is me. I always need to point out I never bought my blue check mark. That shit is lame. We are at Valley Boys Pod on Twitter. Not calling it X. And at Valley Boys Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. We're on there for some reason. From Newport Beach, good night. <laughs>